I started writing when I graduated from college. I was never my intention to be a writer. I started writing because I was furious that there isn't, that there wasn't really a play about eating disorders, Mm. that it affected most of the women in my life. Mm. And I did not see that representation. And I knew, I knew how much it had affected me not seeing myself represented as a Latina. So then this other thing that I had struggled with, that my mother had struggled with, my, uh, my aunt, my friends, just that was so prevalent. I mean, truly, there are 30 million eating disorders in this country that we know of. Three in four women report disordered eating behaviors. So why am I not seeing this? Eita, Brasil. Tá comigo? What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the first La Mezcla of 2020. Happy New Year. Feliz Año Nuevo to all of the listeners of the show, a.k.a. my mom's friends. Uh, I am so excited to still be doing the show uh, and to have people care about it it's kind of crazy several people have said nice things to me about this show recently and it's i've been it's it's coming up on two years of doing this show uh and i thank you thank you to anybody who who enjoys this thing i'm gonna stop blabbering and let's get into today's guest our first guest of 2020, and ooh, baby, we are starting the year off strong. That <laughs> uh, got weird immediately, but I'm just going to push past it. Uh, our guest, and I'm so excited to have her, is none other than the wonderful Domenica Ferro. Uh, Domenica is an Ecuadorian-American actor and playwright. Uh, she's been all over stages in New York uh, and on your TV screen and soon to be all over the feature film circuit. Girls going places, dude. Uh, <laughs> I just had the pleasure and privilege of working with Domenica on an off Broadway play uh, at the end of last year called The Wild Parrots of Campbell. Shoutouts to everyone involved in that show. Um, but I was so excited to have Dominica on the show. Um, one super notable credit is she just had her off-Broadway debut as both an actor and playwright with her show Rinse Repeat that went up at Signature Theater, which is a big fucking deal, you guys. The show is a New York Times critics pick. Uh, it, it got a lot of buzz in the city, so we talked a little bit about that show, about Dominica's Latinidad, and about the way she made her way in the industry uh, in New York and just uh, about the way she grew up. This was a really great conversation and I'm really excited for you to hear it. Happy New Year, everybody. Feliz Año Nuevo. Uh, And please remember to rate, review, and subscribe on everything and tell people about the show. Uh, Not right. Yeah, we can probably leave it there. (laughs) I'm just openly narrating this to you. Uh, But please enjoy uh, this conversation with Domenica Ferro. Okay. Hi, Domenica. Hi, Adrian. Oh my God! Thank you for the first person on this podcast ever who has pronounced my name correctly. Yay! And I've had many other Latino people. <laughs> <laughs> well, we get used to Americanizing names because we Americanize our own. I know I'm always like, it's taken me a while to now say, I'm Domenica. Yeah. To yeah. pronounce it the way my parents intended for my name to be. Yeah, I've had the same thing, and I've I've been more I've been braver about it recently, like being like, no, that's how it's pronounced, but it's like rare. <laughs> like yeah. I did it with Patrick, the art director. No way. And he was actually he was really nice about it. And he always like what I appreciate about the way he says it is he he like knows he's saying it wrong, but he tries <laughs> he tries anyway. Like the the spirit is the spirit yeah. is there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because uh, sometimes. 
like if somebody does if somebody's not coming at it with the right like attitude, it can feel super awkward. It can for sure. Have you always told people like I'm Dominica, not Domenica? No, I used to say Domenica like my whole life. I mean, I grew up in England and it was super white and British and nobody could pronounce my name. I mean, it would always be like Dominica. It was actually a relief coming to the States where people most people get it right. Most people say or say the Americanized version, Domenica. Right. But recent I became Friends. Once I started becoming friends with more Latinos who are actors, I realized that they would. Some of them would say their names, even if there was a very easy Americanized version of it. Like, yeah. I have a friend whose name is Ale, and she would like you know people call her Ale, but mm-hmm. she's always introduced herself as Ale, and I realized okay, I should probably be saying Domenica. When yeah. I say hi, and people can figure it out. So, sorry, what, when did that change happen? Like, how old were you? A few years ago. Okay, got it. Yeah, yeah. Post that's college. It's always yeah. I was the same way. Like, it was like tail end of college and post college is when I actually started to like care about my heritage. Yeah, basically. And well, I realized I'd been kind of ashamed about it and hiding it for a while and trying to assimilate and be like everybody else. Yeah. Oh my god. Oh, this is such a great like table of contents for the episode. <laughs> so let's like actually start it. Um, so I'll just start with the question I ask everybody. Hi, Dominica. Welcome to La Mezcla. Uh, just you. introduce yourself to my mom's friends uh, and tell <laughs> us wh- where, like what your mix is, where your parents are from, where you grew up, like your deal. Great. So my parents are from Guayaquil, Ecuador, um, and my dad actually spent a good amount of time in the States, though. He went to, like, a tennis academy for boarding school when he was a kid, and then he went to, uh, on a tennis scholarship, he got into Brown. Whoa. Yeah. A tennis scholarship. A tennis scholarship. I mean, he literally didn't even write his essay. Like, he got waitlisted, and they were like, you need to write an essay so we can accept you, <laughs> sir. Oh, wow. Yeah. It was, so he was that good at tennis. He was that good at tennis. Holy shit. But then it turned out he was really fucking smart. And he ended up graduating top of his class and, like, did amazingly well. But oh, my God. He he didn't really, because his school was just a tennis school. He didn't really have class. He didn't, but he scored off the charts on the SATs, just naturally intelligent. Nobody wow. really realized. That's crazy. It, it was. Um, and I'm sorry, you said he went to Brown? He went to Brown. Got it. Yeah. I did and not know that was a tennis school. It It's not, but they, <laughs> every school has their, he met, I think in Ecuador, he met somebody, like a tennis coach. Who saw my dad play and thought he was amazing and worked for Brown and Got sort it. of scouted this is a, him. This is around what years? Oof. My dad was born in 66, so this was the 80s. Okay. Um, I feel like that was like tennis heyday. Like, yeah, he played Boris Becker. I mean, he, okay. he lost to Boris Becker. I'm pretending like I know who that is. <laughs> He's a big deal. He's okay. a big tennis player My mom, deal. My mom and my abuela definitely know who that is because they're both like I mean, Boris Becker would have been like, you know... Djokovic at a time or Andy okay, Murray. It, he was a, he was a big, big deal. So my dad lost to him before Boris Becker was Boris Becker. And my dad felt like really terrible that he lost. Now, obviously, in retrospect, it's like, well, of course you lost to Boris Becker. I mean, yeah, yeah, it was yeah. Boris Becker. But um, he came back to the, he came back to Ecuador. And he, my mom had always been best friends with like his sister. Oh, okay. My mom's five years younger. Got it. And so he came back and all of a sudden, you know, my mom was like 18 and really cute. And um, yeah, they started dating. They got married. He had always wanted to come back to the States. That was always the deal. Okay. And he was supposed to go to grad school, but he actually he took a job in Ecuador on the condition. It was for Citibank in Ecuador. 
on the condition that they would bring him over to the States. Okay. And my mom had a really traumatic, abusive childhood, so my mom, you know, took it out. Of not, I mean, she loved my father, but there was also like, okay, we can, we can leave, we can both leave this Got place. It. And, they and were left. they were they already married at this point? They got married. They lived with my dad's parents for a few months. Okay. And then they came to New York, and they lived there for two years. And then I was born. My parents were really young when they had me. My mom was twenty two. Um, she was still in college. She dropped out, and. Um, yeah, then they had my brother five years later, and we moved to London when I was nine, right okay. after September 11th. Oh, wow. Yeah, and because um, we lived right, we lived a few blocks away. Um, and So and, you, were, you were in, like, Tribeca at the time? Oh, yeah, we got evacuated from our building. Got it, yeah. Um, I watched them fall from my window. And then we moved to London for nine years, and we came back to the States when I decided to go to college here. And honestly, my childhood, a lot of it was spent in Ecuador, like uh-huh. a lot. And I spoke Spanish before I spoke English. Yeah, um, same. And then I went to school in kindergarten and it was, you know, I remember being like, hola. And everyone was just like, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And there was thankfully a kindergarten teacher who spoke Spanish and she taught me English. And then you want to assimilate, you want to be like everyone else. And my Spanish became really bad at a certain point. It just wasn't good. And I had a realization when I was 12 or so that um, some of the most important people in my life only speak Spanish. Mm. And if I want to have a relationship with them and be able to express myself fully, I need to be confident in my Spanish. Yeah. So I started really working on speak because my parents don't talk to me in Spanish. They're not good at enforcing that at all. Yeah. So my, I really, my family goes in and out. Yeah, it's just like they talk to each other. But even my mom, when I will speak to her in Spanish, she kind of makes fun of me. I'm just like, okay, mom, thanks. <laughs> um and it's been, I spent a lot of time in Ecuador as a child, and most of my family lives there. But lately, we've spent less and less time there. But my Spanish has gotten a lot stronger over time, mm-hmm. um, just of practicing it and of being really purposeful of, you know, whenever I'm with relatives who speak Spanish, just talking in Spanish and not being embarrassed, because that, that can come in. My that's Spanish my big, that's my big that's problem, big is that problem. I, I get very embarrassed and then that leads to like shame and oh it's god awful. i had to do an interview on um New oh, you, York were one you were telling yeah. me about this yeah and it was um and i did it with florencia lozano who played my mom in this play that i wrote and she's argentinian but she also was born here mm. and so we're both we have strong spanish but it's an insecurity and so having to do this interview in only spanish was was scary but then you watch it and you're like oh my god I'm so, my Spanish is so much better than I think it is. Yeah. I just I'm so self conscious and I feel terrible. And when that's I what everybody when, when when my family like my mom included they can tell I'm getting nervous and they're like you're doing better yeah. than you think you are. Right, like right. I feel like I in my brain I sound like a like a seventh grade Spanish. Right, right, student. right. I'm like such a gringo, 100. Yeah, percent yes. And then my relatives are like, you speak really good Spanish. Yeah. I'll be like, okay. Um, what's hard for me is that I didn't ever learn it in school, uh-huh. so I don't. Like, reading and writing in Spanish isn't my strong suit. Yeah, same. That's where I need a little more advice. But speaking it comes pretty naturally. It's just that I don't have as full of... It. I don't I don't think in Spanish, but when people are talking to me in Spanish, it's not like I have to make a conscious effort. To, I understand everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's... We've already covered so much. Let's talk a little bit about uh, London. Yeah. So talk to me about, like... 
the the transition from New York to London, what that was like. And I'm assuming, are you already doing like performance stuff? Like I was nine, but I'd always loved singing as a kid. Um, although I had this really interesting moment when I was like 10 years old where I decided, I'm like, I don't want to be an actor, which had been my whole life. I mean, from age two, really, everyone knew that that was, that was kind of what was going to happen. <laughs> I would sing like songs from Annie everywhere. Cab drivers would occasionally give me money for singing in their cabs. I mean, I was just, I was cr- this intense little child. Wait, cab drivers would, would pay you? Yeah. <laughs> For being hella annoying. Jesus. Like, who's that three-year-old singing songs from Annie for half an hour? And they would, like, give me quarters and things. It was very strange. Oh, my God. And lovely. Nice people. Rather than being like, shut that child up, That's please. That's so funny. Um, I even would, like, in Ecuador, when we'd go for Christmas, I would host, like, talent competitions every year. Wow. So you were very much family, that kid. Oh, yeah. To participate. And I always won. And I was like, live the one year I lost um, because I didn't prepare fully. And I, How, what little, was the judging system? Oh, it would be like, it would be people who were there and usually as benign as we could get. So not necessarily relative, but of course everyone was related to each other. So, but you tried, to, but then therefore you thought, okay, they, they all, the judging system, we had like a panel of five and then uh-huh. they would decide. Um, but I, one year I lost to my little brother cause he was like two years old and he performed like what he was doing in his school in England oh, of like fee, five, oh, um, like Jack the Giant. And he was so cute. <laughs> yeah. It's, of course hard, to he, be, it's as, hard to beat that. Listen, I'm also a younger brother and like you can ride that. Oh yeah. Pretty, pretty he was hard. really freaking cute. <laughs> I'm sure my sister, if my sister listens to this, she will empathize with you hard. <laughs> it was, I was so mad. I was so <laughs> mad. I fully did. You're the one from, you're the one that I want from Greece. And I like wore a, Wow. Like Sandy Wigan. I mean, I shouldn't have done a duet solo. That was probably stupid. And I can't dance. So that was just mm. bad choice. Hey, what are you bad do? song choice. So t- how about your like your social circle when you're in London? Like yeah. how, did, how did that change? What type of crowd are you running with? Like who are you connecting with at the time? I mean, white people. Let's be real. I-, I went to private British girls school. Oof. Um, yeah, it was... And I love my friends. I love my friends so much. They're amazing, my British friends. But, like, I was definitely the only Latina mm. there. Like, and also, Nobody, actually... Nobody, like, from Spain hanging no. around? No. Weird. Yeah. Mm-mm. And, I mean, I had friends from Spain that I'd always had as a child, and that helped. Like, their family, I'd, my, I mean, she's like, they're like, she's my sister, and he's my brother, really. I met yeah. them when... I was three, she was two, and he was one, and their parents are best friends with my parents, and uh, so and they moved to London too. So I always had them like it. outside of, and you know, one of my best friends was from Ecuador. So every summer, we'd so you spend had together. like yeah, you had like allies. I had you allies. Had, you had a community. Around. I did, um, but not during school. Not. I mean, I remember I would always say um, like. Because I was obsessed as a child with, you know, Bernadette Peters, Michelle Pfeiffer. <laughs> and I wanted to have, like, red hair or blonde hair experiment. Were you, and like, the New York girl? Would people were, would people refer to you Well, like my that? email was New York Diva 93 <laughs> It's really embarrassing when Get I first the moved there. I know. I New know. York Diva 93 Yeah, at Hotmail.com. Holy shit. Your first email was a Hotmail address? It was a Hotmail address. Oh, my God. Are you my, are you my Thea? <laughs> <laughs> At least it was an AOL. 
but it's pretty close. I Hotmail's had an AOL. Close. My first email address okay. was AOL. Okay. I feel like AOL and Hot. I feel like AOL is a tier above. What Hotmail. about the people who still use? There are people who still use AOL. Oh, a lot of people. I'm, there are people who still use Hotmail. <laughs> And they are insane. Yeah, they're they're. Shout, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry if any of my mom's friends use Hotmail. I'm Hotmail so sorry. Hotmail was that. huge in England. Hotmail.co.uk. Yeah. It, 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 basically, outside of the states, Hotmail was a, was a lot. So that, I mean, we all did like the MSN chatting mm. when I was in high school. Wow. Yeah, that wow. would be the staying up late. Talking. Different times. Oh God, it was it was a lot of fun. <laughs> That's um, awesome. And I. Yeah, I would say, you know, oh, I want to dye my hair red one day, like Bernadette. And my friends would go like, oh, well, you can't because of your skin tone. Because <laughs> it was really... Jesus. But I didn't realize that any of that was wrong. Right. So I grew up wanting to... Because there was, let's be real, there hasn't been representation for Latinos in a long time. We're barely getting it now. And finally, like, I'm watching Jane the Virgin, watching One Day at a Time, mm. ha- or just a new black, seeing yourself. And as an actor, the difference that that made yeah. was huge. I remember going to see Hamilton and seeing the three sisters of, you know, like a black actress, a Filipino actress, and a Latina actress, and going, oh my God. Yeah. Like, I could play Eliza Hamilton. Jesus. Okay, cool. Didn't know that was ever an option yeah, in my career. Yeah, definitely an eye-opener. Yeah, I used to want to, like, I used to fantasize about spray um, spray tanning my skin white. Mm. And I used to like think, oh, I'm going to marry a blonde, blue-eyed man so that my children will... And I didn't even realize I had all this internalized racism. I just was not conscious of yeah, it. Yeah, I feel like with, with South American culture it specifically, like that stuff is gets very deeply ingrained. And it, yeah. I mean, I, every time I go to Peru, it's I'm... I, I feel my whiteness. Like, I, I just feel it. And people are, like, very nice and, like, very respectful. Right. And it's really, uh, it's like an icky feeling. It's an icky feeling. I mean, even here, I have a really close friend who I adore. And I was just talking about what it's like being an actor of color and, you know, and, and what you get sent in for. And she said something like, this is a dear friend of mine. Um, She's older. And she said, you know, I don't think of you as Latina. Like, it was a compliment. And I'm like, well... Okay, let's mm. unpack that. Ooh, I could respond to that with a sensitive family story. Should I? Yeah, do. Are they going to listen to that? Fuck it. Okay, let's so it. <laughs> whatever. So uh, paternal grandfather. Mm-hmm. I'm going to just say it. Nobody's going to listen to this. Fuck it. Not not a good human, I would mm-hmm. say. Not mm-hmm. a particularly great human. Not very nice Same to my family. Same here paternal grandfather. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. That's the so my father's side is the the like white Irish side. Okay. Uh, so he was he he died a few years ago. Uh, my grandfather and my sister and I were oh my god I'm telling the story on the podcast. So my sister and I were visiting him. He's like very much like in his like left last few days or so. Mm-hmm. Um, and he dead ass he turns to me and my sister and this is after like years of distance and like drama and whatever and he dead ass turns to us and goes and he didn't mean this as an insult at all again it was like almost like a just a genuine question he just goes do you really do you really think that you're Hispanic you really think that like he was genuinely asking (laughs) and I was like yeah, because I am. Like, it, it, yeah. it's this weird thing. It was one of the weirdest moments of my life. Like, people always, I don't know, people come at you with these weird questions. They really do. And they impose certain things. On it. It's just, it's interesting. I mean, I've always said, 
Did you see this play Admissions? No. It made me angry for a lot of reasons, but there was a point where one of the characters has a rant, and he goes um, about, like, well, is Penelope Cruz a minority? Because then why isn't... She's from Spain. Why isn't Marion Cotillard? And I'm like, well, you know what? Actually, the difference... It depends where you are. In Europe, sure, no. But in this country... You're treated differently for mm. speaking Spanish. Like, if you speak French, you're hella intelligent. If you yeah. speak Spanish, well, you're taking our jobs. Like, yeah. I mean, there's just a way of... I get looks when I talk to my mom in Spanish. I've seen the way people... I've heard my mother receive racism because she speaks English with a thick accent. Her skin is darker than mine. Mm. I, I experience light skin privilege. I know... I see all of it. And then I also experience... It, it, it's It's... It's frustrating. It was frustrating growing up and never having and not having many actresses, Latina actresses to admire. It's been a really interesting experience now getting to know more Latino actors and really be inspired by them and see it's changed everything for me of like, oh, actually, I'm going to own this. I mean, I even my play used to be really the play that I wrote used to be. Yeah, like let's get very, into it. We haven't addressed oh, well, yeah, it. Well, I, I wrote a play. Get, um, get right in there on the mic and tell my mom's friends about it. I will tell. OK, Adrian's mom's friends. Adrian's mom's friends. Thank you. Um, I wrote a play that went up this summer at Signature. It's about eating disorders. Um, the signature theater. The signature theater. It was cool. It's a very big deal. Was, I just want to, a lot of the people who listen to this are theater people, so they're going to yeah, hear it, signature. And then and be the like, New York Times oh, cool. um, really liked it, so that was nice. We we had a feature on Vogue. It is called. It's called Rinse Repeat. It uh, deals with eating disorders, um, which you know we don't talk about them, but in Latin America, but they are so prevalent. When I went back home to Ecuador, was when I was like I received them. I mean, I was skin and bones, didn't have my period, and everyone was just like. Oh, wow, my God. Wow. My grandparents cried. They cried with joy. Wow. So beautiful. I mean, every single time I go to Peru, there's a comment on my weight. Every single time. In whichever so direction. Anxiety. I used to be a, a little bit heavier. <laughs> so I would go and the comments would be like, when are you going to trim down? You got to hit yeah, the gym. Yeah. Like, what's going to happen? And then I I lost a bunch of weight. Like, I had a I had a bad breakup like a year out of college. And mm -hmm. I did that whole like revenge, uh, lose a bunch of weight oh, thing. Yeah. Uh, and I showed up to to my abuela's birthday, and my same uncle was, <laughs> my same uncle was just like, "You're too skinny. What the fuck? Like, eat a sandwich." <laughs> and I was like, "What? I can't please anybody." Nope, nope. And I mean, Latin culture, like, you know, we think there's, and no, not we think there is so much sexism in this country. But I mean, oof, oof. At least in Ecuador, it's just like. The patriarchy is real intense, and women are their appearances. I mean, that's mm -hmm. what women have been taught, and um, it's really interesting. The com my, my, my mother has commented on house and when she goes to Guayaquil. She drives her crazy because it's like everyone's talking about Botox and diets, mm -hmm. um, and she just can't deal with it. She's like, that's not what it's like. Um, but... So my, that's what my play dealt with, and uh, for a long time, I you know I kept the ethnicity of the family, and really it was just open because I I thought like Dream World, I I think theater is theater. We know like for example the play Adrian and I are doing right now. Yes, like, yes, yes. This is being recorded that, two days before it closes. Yes, yes. Woohoo! <laughs> there are two, but also sad. It's yeah. been really fun. There are two characters who are brothers. Now, obviously. Y'all know they're not brothers. I mean, they're actors. We're all actors. Mm -hmm. Like, so I, you know, my hope for 
theater, anytime you're watching something, is like, eventually, can we just get away from, oh, like, this person has to look like this other person. You can't, like, exactly the same. Mm -hmm. Like, you can't have people, like, it's gonna make me question everything. I was really hoping I could have a family where there was just open ethnicity casting. Like, have an Asian son, have a black mom, have a Latino Mm -hmm. father, have a white daughter. Just, like, but that's not the world we're living in right now. I know that if I didn't specify race in my play, it would be a white yeah. family. Yeah. So I really put the conscious, I made it very conscious to have it be a Latino family. And well, actually, I mean, interesting. a big part of the play is how, you know, the mom is Latina. She's an immigrant. Her parents, she, she's a first generation American mm-hmm. and, um, and her husband is white. And what assimilating into like that white body type has also done for to her. That's and I need to. Re- I'm so. I want, I'm, I'm really sad that I because that's I that's my breakdown. My mom is the immigrant, and my dad was the white one. Yeah. Uh, so I really want to read it. Yeah. I, I didn't know you and how it before affects now. the it affects the daughter. I mean, it affects her like of having to be like all the pressure from the mom of being like you are, you're. A Latin woman, like it's going to be really hard for you in this world, and the father just being really easy on her and it driving the mother. Whereas the mother puts so much pressure on her daughter mm-hmm. because she's like, she knows, like, hey, white husband, like, yeah, you got a lot of opportunities in life and you were very privileged and sheltered. Not the experience I had. It's going to be tougher for her. Therefore, she needs to be perfect. Yeah. Like I had to be perfect yes. in opportunities, and um, and all that pressure. Leads to a lot of control, and I mean, both women suffer with eating disorders. At, yeah. The moms is more in, what, of a interesting, so reveal. But. What's interesting to me about that is that it's you're you're writing on multiple layers. There's the there's the sexism layer, but there's also the immigrant parent and non-immigrant parent yeah. layer, yeah. which immigrant parents, everybody who has them knows, like they operate on a fully different wavelength oh, yeah. than, than uh, p- parents who were like born here. Yeah, they have they had to worry about a lot of. Other they had, yeah, and there's still things that they have to carry with them. Yeah, it's it's really it's hard. I mean, and my mom even comments on how she feels like lost in both languages because she's lived here now for 28 years. Mm-hmm. She's spent the majority of her life here. Yeah, I think same for mine. But she, her English is never gonna like. She'll have an accent always, mm. and there will she'll make grammatical er- errors. But English is the language she speaks the most in. It's the language she does her therapy in. That she speaks to her children in. Um, but so she feels like her Spanish isn't that strong anymore either. She reads in English. She reads, you know, she's reading Anna Karenina and she's reading like um, Lolita, and she's reading all these classics mm. in English. That's where a lot of her. You know, her emotional, intellectual work is being done, but it will never be as strong as her Spanish. Yeah. And and yet her Spanish is suffering because she doesn't practice it regularly in the same way. So she just feels kind of lost, um, like neither language is as strong as it could be. Yeah. Um, I think those, I mean, that's, those between spaces are the things that fascinate me the most. That's why I started yeah. this show of that, yeah. that feeling of in-between. If it, and it's a, it's, it's a big... It's a big one, and it's interesting you asked me about growing up in England because I I really, I just didn't think about it. I didn't think about the effect it had on me of how I had been operating like a white person my Mm. whole life. Well, what I've learned from doing a year and a half of these interviews is nobody thinks about their childhood while they're experiencing it. I thought everything that was going on with me and my family was super normal. And And then I moved away from home and like experienced a couple years of college and like grew up a little and was like, oh, wow, there's a lot to unpack here. Yes, yes, yes. 
Yeah, and it's been a real thing for me of like, oh, as a writer, I'm going to own where I'm from. Yeah. I'm going to own... Were you writing before that point? I started you... writing when I graduated from college. I was never my intention to be a writer. I started writing because I was furious that there isn't... That there wasn't really a play about eating disorders. Mm. That it affected most of the women in my life. Mm. And I did not see that representation. And I knew I knew how much it had affected me not seeing myself represented as a Latina. So then this other thing that I had struggled with, that my mother had struggled with, my uh, my aunt, my friends, just that was so prevalent. I mean, truly, there are 30 million eating disorders in this country that we know of. Three in four women report disordered eating behaviors. So why am I not seeing this, mm. really? And when I do see it, it's dealt with in, like, one episode of TV. Yeah, it's it a really classic after-school special yeah. topic. So I wanted to... I, I started writing... And I just kept going, and I was really, like, felt it in my bones that the story mm. needed to be told. Was this the first project you started doing when you started writing? Yeah. Wow. It's taken me four years to kind of... There were so many... There were three different plays, really. Yeah. They were all different. The first two were very autobiographical. The third was not. But, of course, everyone thought it was. Audiences were like... And I'd be like, yo, my dad isn't white. Like, there's so much. My mom isn't a lawyer. There's so much about this play that is clearly not autobiographical. But I'd have audience members, like, fight me afterwards. Just be like, really? no, but it must be. It must be. <laughs> I think people couldn't believe that, like, a young woman had written a play that didn't suck. That wasn't about her. Yeah. Like, that let's, there was just no way. Let's that talk that about be that. Real. Because uh, I've, I've found, and I've been guilty of this, especially with... Uh, talented young women that I've worked with. I've I've just watched them be horribly judged just for being young. And I've been Mm -hmm. guilty of being that person for being like, what the fuck do you know? You're like 20-something years old. I'm assuming that's something you've experienced with putting up an off-Broadway play in New York. Oh, yeah. It was really... It was always the matinees that were, like, the Wednesday matinee crowd that was really interesting Um, because they're older, generally. Mm -hmm. And people would come up to me... I look very young. I look very young. I won't reveal my age because my agent will kill me, but I look a lot younger than I am. Is that for real? I mean... Your agent will kill you? Not my agent will kill but, like, I get submitted to play teenagers a lot, so I have to stay in this, like, who knows how old I am That ship has sailed for me. (laughs) I wish it would sail for me, to be honest. I mean, when there's smart... You want me to be on Euphoria? I will happily be Yo, on Euphoria. Shout outs to all the producers of Euphoria who who listen to this show. Yes, yes, yes. Please, I adore <laughs> please your give, show. Please give I, both I'm of us so jobs. so grateful for the representation <laughs> in that show. But um, I, I, um, I remember I would have people come up to me after the show um, and say, like, you look so, like, because I played a 21-year-old in the show. and mm. be like, you look so young. Are you 17? There's no way you're 21. And I'd be like, well, I mean, a 17-year-old wouldn't have written this play, I don't yeah. think. And a lot of people never realized I wrote the play. People couldn't. They were like, oh, you're right. so it's good. It's just not Nobody their, could re- yeah, it's not and, their like, it's schema. That's the word, clearly right? clearly written by me. I mean, there was no, it, it was in all the marketing material. It was all, like, the, the playwright actor thing was, a, but nobody, I think in seeing how young I was, nobody could. And when they did, the shock that that yeah. was me. I mean, I even had, like, it was really funny. Um, I worked for Stephen Adley Gorgas for a hot second, mm-hmm. and he knew I was writing a play. And then he came to see it because one of the cast members is friends with him, and another cast member is a lab member. And um, and I came out after, and, and Stephen knew I was writing a play about eating disorders. Got it. And so Stephen, afterwards we were talking, he was like, 
I didn't know you were an actor too. That's so amazing. Like, you know, like that you're so great. You're so talented. And I was like, oh, thank you. And he said, you know, how's it going? Are you still writing that play of yours? And I'm like, Stephen, this this is the play. Wow. He's like, oh, you wrote this. Oh my. And I'm just like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah, I did. Like, <laughs> I told you starting to play about eating disorders. Here is this play, this is about, play about eating, eating disorders. disorders in which I, am I am the lead in it. Like, <laughs> and I wrote it. <laughs> um, it was really, really funny. But it is this thing of like, the play is good. I mean, and, and, and it gets me, it, 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 I've been experiencing it. it, gets me, people who read it, it gets me meetings. And then they, t- and then they think I'm too young to be a writer for them. Yeah. Yeah. And it's always just like, you read my work. My work stands for yeah. itself. And that's fed into by obviously like the ingrained misogyny in the industry, but also this this mentality that I've found uh, that that I've found like in the arts of like you have to you have to have waited in the right prerequisite lines to to get opportunities like this or to do something like this. Uh, and when they see like a, a young woman who hasn't like quote unquote like she hasn't paid her dues is like a thing that gets thrown around a lot. Like yeah, as yeah. like, but, but the the thought that occurs to me is like, well, the play is good. Like the the work is good. So shouldn't that be what matters? Uh, and I feel like that kind of like everybody just brings their baggage when I like and projects it right onto young people who who put stuff up. Yeah. And the interesting thing I think right now is like our generation has a lot to say. Our generation is just talking about, you know, we're telling stories for multiple ethnicities and races. We're telling stories where sexuality is not binary, where gender is not binary. We're telling stories about things that I mean, I'm just you even look at the current slate of Oscar nominees and it's just like Oh my God! All these movies are made by white men. I've, I've never, I've never wished that this was a video podcast more, so the audience could see how far your eyes just rolled into the back <laughs> of your head. I was reading an article last night, and it's just like, oh God! I mean, do I want to sit down and watch The Irishman? Like Scorsese's a genius, but I just, I'm, 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 I'm over seeing movies about a bunch of white dudes. That's I'm fair. Just really for the record, tired. I loved The Irishman. I'm okay, good. That's <laughs> for the, good to for the hear. record, I loved that's, it. I'm gonna watch it. But I that's always, just me. I feel like I, I have to see these things. Yeah. Um, but it's, and even you know, realizing as a woman, like, oh my god, so much of my experience, so much of what I grew up thinking I should be, and what like ideal love is. Yeah, yeah. And what ideal sex looks like was told to me by men. Mm. Um, and I always, like, when I was a kid, my favorite book was The Age of Innocence. Oh, my favorite book was The Age of Innocence by Edith Warden. It's always been. And now I'm like, yeah, because it was one of the few classics written by women. Mm. And when you look at the top 100 film lists, like, also, I mean, a big thing that's now we're not now finally talking about is, like, we need more critics of color and wh- female critics mm. because... Like, all these lists that are curated, the top hundred that is just, like, it's going to sound crass, but Sausage Fest after Sausage Fest has been curated believe, by Believe men. me, I've said far crasser on okay, this Okay, great, great. Good to know. You Good know, to know. Me. I don't. I, yeah, that's fair. I, there was one where I was like, I really want to say shit, but I, I don't know if I can. Oh, my God. I, fuck, I, I like, curse great. literally so much on the show. It's part Love of why it. it's hard to monetize. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, yeah, so I, well, we already talked about the play, but I guess, like, let's talk about, um, like, your, your working actor life and, like, what the auditioning world is like as a first-generation woman, like, and a a first-generation queer woman, like, what, what that, uh, entails. Um, 
It's been interesting. Um, it's been interesting for a long time. I had to let go of my previous manager um, when I wrote the play because I was sort of like, well, they just, they were in L.A. They didn't really, as a, they weren't equipped to handle me as a writer, but also everything I kept being submitted for and seen was only like Latina teenager. Mm. Whereas my current reps are really great about sending me in for everything. Mm. Like all ethnicities, all... I just... Yeah, I want to be telling stories. Like, But I also want, you know, the character I'm playing right now in our play, like, I don't think her ethnicity is specified in the play. So, no, like, it's, it's not. not. So, I th- and I think that there should be more of that. I think there should be more, um, you know, when you have casts where, you know, characters where the ethnicity isn't specified, why is white? automatically assume to be where it goes and I know I mean I look I have friends who are in casting who will say like you know uh, producers and directors asked to see you know they'll send a list of it'll be open ethnicity and they'll send 10 actors seven of which are actors of color and they'll always pick the white one it's just mm. how it goes but I would still like to be in those rooms yeah um, and it's and you you know mentioning me being a queer woman like it's funny yesterday I went to a store and um, it was called Fluid, and I really liked it. Mm. Um, and I bought a hat that's queer. I know that queer. place down it's by NYU. Awesome. Yeah, 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 I'd never discovered it before. And I was like, I was going to wear it to the theater yesterday. And I was like, ah, uh, uh, there's just a friend of mine's coming who like doesn't know. And I was just mm. like, I'm not going to wear it. And then I ended up telling her anyway because I was explaining something that I've been going through, and I was like, oh yeah, well you know I'm I'm fluid, and um, but I felt so excited when I walked into that store and where being queer affects me is as a writer, it affects me. I was talking to a friend recently about, maybe working on a film, uh, that's autobiographical. Um, it's kind of like me too, um, esque something, an experience I had as an intern a few, when I was fresh out of college. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, somebody was asking me like, oh, are you going to show in the character in question, Nina? Um, are you going to show her being attracted to other people? And I was like, well, you know, I, I've, I've, I've sort of gone back and forth about that. And like, sort of when you see her at the end, is she with a woman? Is she with whoever? And, and then my friend said, well, but you don't want audiences to think like, oh, that's why she wasn't into him. And I, and it really, that comment affected me. And I went back to my friend and I said, Hey, I'm not going to censor myself because of what like biased, ears and eyes might take if that's what people took away from watching the film like that that's why she wasn't into him not mm. because he was like a hella powerful movie star abusing his power as yeah. was everyone else in the room like then fuck them like really I, I I'm not gonna censor myself or change like I and I also think that forever telling stories where people exist on a binary sexually because what it might be too confusing for the audience that mm. like I don't know this character is into men and women I that's what keeps audiences thinking that people are one way or the other. Yeah, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah, like most, I mean, I remember seeing Kinsey when I was 15 and going, oh, shit. Oh, wow, okay. I am most definitely somewhere on that spectrum. And then it taking me a decade to actually be like, but wait, no, really. Mm. To actually give myself mental permission of, no, you're into, you are attracted to women as well. Yeah. Um. And it's been, that's been its own journey, but I, and I want to write about it. I want to, and I want to write, because I want to write about it in a way where that's not the focus, where people can, because I think people are people. 
humans are humans. We're attracted to humans. And we put such an emphasis on gender. It drives me crazy. And it was, and, and something, you know, where being Latino is like really scary in this sense of, um, they are really behind, you know, if, if, if like the States is behind on this, mm. like it's, it's hard. And I was recently with a, my favorite relative in the whole world. She means everything to me. Um, and she's actually not my blood relative. She's my dad's brother's ex-wife. Dad's brother's ex-wife. Great. Yeah. Got it. And she's like my heart and soul. And I'd been, I talked to her on my birthday and I said, well, Tiaruli, like I'm, I'm going through this thing where I'm kind of, you know, I'm in love with, and it was in, in Spanish, it's really hard to mm. not use gender pronouns. It, almost oh impossible. Oh my God. It's almost, almost impossible. impossible. So it yeah. made the conversation really difficult. And I said, well, I'm just going through it and I'm having this hard time. And, and she came in to see my show and she was in town and I, I'd been, I hadn't been saying anything. I hadn't been saying anything. And then I finally just was like, you know, Tiaruli, like, what I didn't tell you is like that person that I'm like into, it's a woman. And um, my mom started laughing. Um, and she's like, earlier, um, Luli said in the car, like, I think I know who Domenica's into, and I think it's name of said woman. Mm. And like, and you know what? She's she really hot. <laughs> like, I would be into her too. And it was so funny. It was just so cool. And so, and then I had a similar experience with somebody from um, Latin America who is um, very religious, who I would think would never be okay with that side mm. of me. And I was, there was, there was a guy I was, that I was sort of kind of, you know, into, and I, um, my cousin had met him and was like, oh my God, he's so hot. Like, look at him. Like, he's so cute. And I said, but Maria Alex, you know that I'm also like, I also have feelings for this other person. And my mom's friend Guilherme was like, oh, who, who is that? Like, you know, who, who, like, like, what's his name? I'm trying to get the gossip. Yeah. Yeah. And I said, you know, like I said, who it was, um, and I, there was just silence in the car because, like I said, hella religious. Yeah. And Giren goes, "Well, she's hot." Hey, and it was that's this beautiful. really, it was really nice. It was yeah. really, and I'm sort of being. Uh, I haven't like had a moment of coming out to like Latino relatives, and I post about things on my Instagram story, and my grandparents can choose to notice or mm. not but like i'm not gonna be i'm not gonna hide that i'm not gonna announce it it's just it's part of who i am it's just a part of because i think look i don't believe that heterosexuality or homosexuality 100 percent either really exists mm. i think that most of us are on a spectrum most of us i All think right. it's like five percent of human beings might be 100 percent heterosexual and five percent of human beings might be 100 percent homosexual but everyone like until you've met every I'd single be, human being on the planet, you can't know. I'd be inclined to agree with that. Yeah. I think that's a reasonable take. Yeah. I think several of my theos would take issue with it. Oh, 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 oh. Most of, <laughs> I mean, my boxing teacher a, wants to punch take. me every time I, I don't, mention that. I don't think heterosexuality like, or homosexuality can be quantitatively measured. So, like, probably everybody is, like, is somewhere on the I remember when I told my mother, like, you know, oh, I th- like, years ago, I think I, yeah, I think I met, like, women. She's like, well, do you get turned on? watching like women have sex like in films or things and I go yeah she's like oh yeah me too like that that's totally normal and I'm like and I came back at her recently I was like mom that means you're probably a little bit on the spectrum Mm. and she was like yeah you're probably right (laughs) but it's been I mean she used to believe bisexuality wasn't real so it's been a lot of people did yeah I didn't when I was in high school because I heard so many people say that it was a myth that it wasn't real yeah I mean, that's why I remember being home and my mom saying, well, bisexuality isn't real. And I'm thinking, okay, well, I know I like guys. So, like, 
that I guess like these thoughts I've had about women, like it's not real. Yeah. It's not real. Yeah. Okay, cool. Let's, uh, we're, we're starting to wind down on time, but I, I ask this question often cause I like it. So if you, uh, if you were talking to, uh, let's say like 15, 16 year old Dominica, mm-hmm. like what kind of, what would you say to her? Oh God. Given the context of everything we've talked about. Oof. I would say you like girls explore that. <laughs> <laughs> beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah, stop very trying ma- to hide from very that. Very matter of fact. Please. A lot of the I'll time st- people, when I ask this question on the show, people get very choked up and they're like, believe, just, just believe in yourself. <laughs> but you were like, uh, you love pussy. You should go, you you should should go talk to, to girls. Yeah. Do that. Um, also you should, um, it's hard. It's hard because a lot of like my journey, like I, you know, because I, 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 you know, I could get the choked up, like, love your body. Don't do what you did to sure, it. Sure, sure, sure. Like, you know, don't go through amenorrhea for four years and like starve yourself. But it led to my play, which I think helped people. And so I'm like, and it's and it taught me a lot. And I think when I have children, I'll be more conscious about a lot of things. So mm. I am grateful for that. Um, horrendous as it, I wouldn't wish it an eating disorder on my worst enemy. It's something I. It's food is still a thing in my mind that I and I don't know when I'll be able to completely quiet that voice, but it birthed something important as an artist. So I don't know. I I would say like, yeah, own where you come from. Um, Mm, I like that. I agree with that. I would, and also like, please. Stop trying to make your mom happy. Like, stop living your existence Mm. as though uh, her approval or what she thinks is, like, the most important thing. It's not. Being true to yourself is the most important thing. That's heavy. I like that one. Yeah. It was... That took a lot of years for me. And, like, also, like, it's really tempting to stay safe. But nothing interesting happens where it's safe. Mm. Put yourself out there. Take risks. Um, That's fucking be messy. great advice. I also I know for a fact that some of my uh, teenage acting students listen to this show. So oh, I So I always ask this question because I know they're gonna like be like, oh, I need advice on like how to like be an artist. And yeah. Stuff. Also, like, don't be a af- like. I know it's really scary to like fail or whatever, but like only by trying things, trying things in a million different ways. Like, 100%. And do you know? I mean, them. recently, even in the show we're in right now, like, I, we've been doing the show for two weeks, and mm-hmm. my director from Which Chippe I came. feel like I should mention it, because yeah, big, big it. Julie Alex Riyad will yell at me if I don't. It's called The Wild Parrots of Campbell. We've been doing it at the Cherry Lane Theater the last, like, three Very weeks. Very great theater. They need to get some better heating, but it's a great theater. <laughs> Putting them on blast. Yeah, guys, It was very cold last it night. It was not okay. I think I'm, like... I might be getting sick. I'm not. It was not okay. We'll see how it goes tonight. Ooh, I'm so scared. I'm so scared. But um, doing the play, like I, I've been um, playing um, this character a certain way for two weeks, and you know, my my director from Mr. Pete came and she gave me a thought, and then on Tuesday I just was like, "Fuck it, live theater. I'm gonna try something completely different." Yes. And it and like. One of our cast members, um, her boyfriend, who's seen it several times. Shout out to Ron Fippen. He is the best. And um, Ron apparently, because I was said to, when Casey told me Ron was there, I was like, oh, I want to know what, if he noticed anything different. Apparently Ron was like, what was Domenica, like that was her best performance. Like mm. that was such a different, and, and even, and, and Big Julie was happy. I, when I noticed he was there, I was terrified because I was like, oh God, well, I did no. like the opposite of but what you're, he you're, wanted. No, but you're but doing it, it right. You're it doing worked. it right. And it was so, and it's so fun every night now. Now I'm like having the best time because I'm like, every night it's different. Every night you can try something and you can, 
learn that it's wrong and when and, and and you don't have to have everything figured out by rehearsal i wholeheartedly agree you've been working with me long enough to at this point to know i do almost everything differently every which time which is what makes adrian so i mean my friend came last night for shout out to portia who's one of my favorite shout out to portia she was so nice we, she I met her yesterday. adored you she I'm thought so you were really it. great she was just like he's so natural like she really appreciated that That's really so really please really, um you hear that industry please give yeah. me a job <laughs> yeah Portia is you know she's killing it she's been at the signature this year and Ooh. on Broadway and she's doing she's going My into God, rehearsals live for your life live she's your life lead. she's another play where she's the lead at Walker Space She's very, very talented, and she thinks Adrian is amazing. Oh my God! Is. Wow, thank you so much. Yeah. Ugh, I'm so uncomfortable because <laughs> no, praise is the because of my yeah. issues. Because <laughs> of my issues. Who can take a compliment? No, no, no. I no. really can't. Uh, shout outs to my therapist, Sharon. Please help me with that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> cool. So we're we're pretty much done. But is there anything we haven't touched on that you wanted to talk about? Um, I mean, I'm good. I want to know more about you. I feel so like selfish that I've just oh my talked God. about the, myself. The whole point is to talk about the guests. They've already heard yes. far too much about me. Also, you can always come back and we're going to see each other and tonight. And we're going to see each other tonight and talk. <laughs> and that's true. Adrian has some great stories. He's really... Yeah, I have some weird ones. I have to think because I'm going to do the, the next live version of this show in January. And I think I'm right. going to tell a couple of... I have some good Abuela stories I think that I'm going to okay. break out. Okay. I'm excited to yeah. hear those. I, I'll tell you one tonight. Yay! Uh, okay. Is there anything I you want to... I have wanna... so many weird Abuela stories myself. Ooh, I want to hear. Ooh. I mean, I think I'm going to go to Ecuador, actually. I haven't been to Ecuador since I was 20... Uh, ooh, I'm going to reveal my age. Nope. I haven't been to... <laughs> I've been to Ecuador in a Dominica's long time. Domenica's agents, please cover your ears. I'm in, I'm in 20s area. I'm in 20s. She's That's vaguely all. 20s. I'm, I'm 20s. Um, yes, I'm 20s. But um, I haven't been to... Um, how old are you? I'm 20s? I'm 20s. I'm 20s. <laughs> I think that's great. I'm 20s, and if you want me to be 16, I can be 16 that's for you. That's amazing. And that's totally fine. But um, I think I'm I think I'm over to a trip to go visit one of my abuelas and mm. get like her life story while she's still lucid, so I can write it. You gotta. There's some some weird shit. There's some weird shit. Yeah, my uh, I'll say this. I don't think I've told the story on this podcast, so I'll say it out of context and see if anybody messages me about it. My abuela one time smuggled a, a monkey on a plane. Wow. <laughs> but to be fair, I mean, Latinos will get that. Like, yeah. there's all the amount of times I've been traveling from Ecuador and we just, they're like live chickens in suitcases. Yep, straight up smuggle the monkey. Yeah. That great. That's uh, successfully. That's Su amazing. Successfully smuggled the, the monkey. The most my grandparents. Would, it was like, a domestic flight. So. Okay. Okay. The most my grandparents ever smuggled for me was um, Naranjia. Which okay. is a fruit in Ecuador that, like, you can't get in the States. And mm -hmm. I loved Hua Naranjia. So they, like, froze packs of it and then they put it in their suitcase. Yeah. My, my mom used to do that with um, uh, Aji Amarillo, mm. which is delicious. But now they sell it here. That was years ago. That's true, they do. Okay, Dominica, is there anything you want to plug? You want to like plug your Instagram or something, or tell oh, yeah. people? I'm can Dominica people read your? Ferdo. Can people read your play? It's is gonna it... be published. Oh, got it's it. gonna okay. be published. So look um, out for rinse repeat when it's when it hits shelves. Yeah, and you know, and any producers out in LA, please do the play in LA. It should really be seen <laughs> yeah. on a. This podcast has a really big audience with 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 the Paramount lot. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> they um they should really do the play needs um but also feel free to dm me i mean if you've been through any sort of view i'm happy to send i yes the play um 
it was interesting. My mom would always notice how people like because I didn't really interact with audiences after the show. I mean, I would talk to them, but mm-hmm. my mom was sitting in it. My my mom came sixteen times. My dad came eighteen. Um, they are proud and wonderful um, and very supportive. But my mom like was saying would say how sometimes after shows there'd be just women in the bathrooms crying and hugging each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't. I mean, it's not like the play. You know, you see it. You move on with your life, but I do think it really helps to feel represented. So if you've been through an eating disorder, if you're going through one, like I am, I am reachable, I am contactable, and um, I do think that art heals. That's why we're, why we're doing this thing, and I representation matters, and um, and that's why we're talking about who we are because that comes to our acting. Like it's, you are goddamn right. Yeah. Bring yourself to your shit, folks. Yeah. Okay, thank you so much for coming, though, Nika. Thank you, Adrian, for having me. Uh, and I'll see you in, like, I don't know, like two hours, three <laughs> hours. In uh, the tundra. Yeah, I, w- I wish I was releasing this before we closed, but, like, if you're listening to this, you missed it. Sorry. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> it was really it was great. really great. It, Adrian gets to eat some delicious food on stage. And, and by delicious, she means truly horrible. Yeah, <laughs> truly well, every horrible. Time, every time, every friend of mine has come is like, "What is that?" Yeah, food? everybody, everybody. I've had several audience members be like, "I'm so sorry, you have to eat." <laughs> <laughs> okay, goodbye, everybody. Bye. I hope you have a great Adios. week. Goodbye. Hasta luego. And that's it for our very first La Mezcla of the new year. Thank you so much to Domenica Ferro for coming in. Thank you to Ad Large Studios for hosting me. Thank you to Carly Hogendijk and Authentic Talent Literary Management for hooking me up. Thank you to everybody who uh, has listened or engaged with the show in any meaningful way. It really, really means a lot. Please continue to rate it and review it. It actually makes a huge difference when you review and rate the show on iTunes and just tell people about the show, support the live shows, be nice to each other, and support some immigrant-owned businesses, man. Just just do that and you will be fine. I don't know. I don't know. The New Year New Year always gives me so much anxiety. I, I love that I am continuing the tradition of the endings of these episodes just being me devolving into like a pile of neuroses. And I hope the loyal listeners also appreciate that if anybody does listen to the tail end of these episodes. Uh, but I hope you have a wonderful week and we will be back with another La Mezcla next week. Bye. credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. 